don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. No, instead, we take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy, and we are back at the Girl Defined Conference. Oh, finally, we'll know how to define a girl. Yes, if you are just joining us, you'll want to listen to the previous episode. Where we don't define a girl. (laughs) Where we don't define a girl. It's very frustrating. Come and join us. It was a two-day conference. We tell you about the first day, and now we will tell you about the second day. And then after six days, we will rest. Yeah, we'll be tired. Like God. It's a lot of days. Anyway, I had no idea people were so into Girl Defined already. Yeah, boy, a lot of enthusiasm from listeners who are like, oh, good, I'm glad you're finally talking about these Girl Defined people. Yeah, I had never heard of them until a listener suggested them. Had you? No. I had not. You know, it's uncommon that someone recommends something that we've never heard of, much less something with this big, devoted following. And not just a following of people who are like, yeah, I really like Girl Defined videos. They've influenced my life in a very positive way. It's more people who love to witness a train wreck Uh and see it in Girl Defined. I can't relate to that. I wonder if they're in equal numbers or if there are more critics, but definitely healthy numbers of both. Their YouTube channel has 156,000 subscribers. Wow. That's a big deal. And I'm one of them, so. Hey, all right. Take from that what you will. She's also a Mormon, people. (laughs) That's true, technically, I guess. Yeah, we're still on the rolls. Yeah, probably. I haven't asked to be removed, so probably. So, may I tell you about day two? Yes, you may. Thank you. So the first thing I attended was a VIP Q&A. Oh, you are so VIP. Yeah, well. And you have Qs? I did, and I got absolutely no As. I bet you were P-O'd. I'm pretty sure that somewhere they had said, if we don't get to your question, we'll email you. I tried to find that later, and I couldn't find it, so Mm. maybe I dreamed it in a hopeful fit Because then you could have followed up and said, I paid for my VIP access. You promised me some A's. Exactly. And I want them, but now you're not sure. And isn't it convenient that I asked you for specifics and you ran out of time? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but you were in the VIP Q&A, so you got to hear the other cues. So I had paid, I believe, $40 extra to be a VIP. That's what makes you a VIP, having $40. And there were 52 of us who had done likewise. So we were on this special Zoom call with the great Bethany and Kristen. Are you about to give me money? <laughs> What's this for? Ross just handed me $40 with Well, I'm a no VIP commentary. now, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's you said, that's, that's all really I needed to do. a weird experience for me. <laughs> that is exactly how much money I had in my wallet. Okay, I'll take it back. When Drew and I end up with an extra 20 we try to immediately put it in our honeymoon fund. Oh. So I, as soon as you go to me, I was like, oh, two bills for the honeymoon <laughs> funds. But then my brain was like, that doesn't make sense. Why would Ross be giving you that? All right. Of the 52 of us, I could click through because you, you know how on Zoom. You were like a deck of cards. Yeah. Or the weeks in a year. Whoa. <laughs> there is a God. So I was looking at the gallery view where you can see everybody or mm-hmm. everybody who has their camera turned on. On this call, 
Yes. A gallery view. Oh, very nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly very, very young women. So That's right. When you were watching before, you could see a number of how many people were watching, but you couldn't see their faces. Correct. So now you're seeing the audience. Yes, because when I was watching before and for most of the conference, I would be watching on the Facebook live feed. Mm -hmm. In this case, it was a Zoom call. Okay. And you're seeing young girls. What are you thinking age-wise? Oh, my goodness. I mean, there were definitely like tweens. There were girls who 11, 12, on up through. Mm, I mean, if we were to sort of cut off the extreme ends of the bell curve, I think we'd have a solid set between 13 and 22. Oh, wow. Okay. And then tricklers on either end, of course. Sure. I kept clicking through thinking, I'm just going to find one person who looks to be over 30 and is by herself, isn't with clearly her daughters or mm-hmm. clearly her nieces. Or and whatever. you found yourself. Click, click, <laughs> click, click, click. How dare you? <laughs> I am 21. No, I click, 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 click. And finally, I found, I think, two different women who, one, I was like, okay, I would guess you're in your 30s. And one who I would guess you're in your 40s. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Out of 52. Yeah. One was the queen of diamonds. The other was the queen of spades. (laughs) So I'm going to try my best to use nicknames here. Although everyone in this group, I kept noticing this, had very standard Anglo-Saxon names that Uh, you would... Katie, Jessica, (laughs) Jennifer. Would probably anonymize anyone anyway. But nevertheless, I will go a step further. Stick with the deck of cards. Three of clubs. Oh, shit. (laughs) No, it's shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the look of uh, panic on Gary's face. I can't do that. So there was one young woman. I'm going to call her Rachel. She got to ask a question, and she's like, oh, I'm a huge fan. Um, I've been to a bunch of conferences. I've actually met you. I met you at the Future Parents Conference. Oh, Where's um, Rachel? Where does she come from? Yeah, I don't think she said. I just wanted to say, where's Rachel? Continue. What's that from? Batman. Oh. Where's Rachel? Um, And uh, a lot of the questions would just be typed into the chat. But if you were willing to talk to the sisters directly, they preferred to like, you know, bring you on screen. So, okay. So in this case, Rachel did. She said the whole I've met you thing. And you could tell she was waiting for them to be like, of course, Rachel. But, you know, they're very politely being like, oh, yeah. mm -hmm." So she said, I just want to know how to handle impure thoughts. Oh, And so Kristen advised her to repeat the Psalms when you're having impure thoughts, because, you know, those are love letters and they're often about sort of the struggle with impurity and sexuality and so Uh, on. Love letters. You should read Song of Songs. That's true. Hello. That's true. Hello. Her breasts are like fawns. What does that mean? I think elsewhere they're like towers. They're like leaping? Like, you know, to young deer. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder what that's supposed to get across. Could the phrase impure thoughts refer to anything other than her being horny? I don't think so. That's definitely the vibe I got, at least as Kristen and Bethany were answering. Okay. I think that's how they interpreted it. Wouldn't it be funny if she was like a cannibal or something? (laughs) (laughs) They said in particular she should memorize a verse about Bathsheba. Oh, okay. Who David lusts after her or something. I don't oh, yeah. remember the Bathsheba story very well. Oh, yeah. She's in a bath. She was married to- A little on the nose. She was married to, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was married to Uriah the Hittite. David could see her bathing on the roof. Right. While he was on the roof. 
that's that whole hallelujah song by uh cohen C- cohen yeah it's oh it's about that referring to that yeah whoa well, you saw oh, her bathing. On the... um, wow i never thought about that i knew both things and they never came oh, together. oh there you go hey now, now you'll enjoy the the, the song even more you saw her bathing on the roof wait i'm singing the wrong part of the tune there oh you're singing the right part we saw her bathing on, on the, the roof. roof. Yeah. So aloof. The Something music and the moonlight really through, yeah. One of my favorite themes and songs is, this song's about religion. Just kidding, it's about coming. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's like three or four major songs. Yeah. Where that's the bait and switch. That's such a great song. Anyways. Like a prayer. So then. Take me to church. David has her husband sent to the front lines in the war, he gets killed and then he takes her as his own. One, Shit. one of his many concubines. That's a rude way to wives. handle the situation. Uh, yes. I wouldn't memorize that verse if but I But you know, you, that David, really good guy, man, after God's own heart. Oh, God. You know what's also weird? We're never going to get through these notes, but <laughs> when I picture that story with her on the roof bathing, it's always like a rooftop in New York City circa like 1995. Oh, okay. So it's just like a woman who might as well be and friends sitting in like an ornate bathtub oh. just like watching her hair. All right. I'm guessing that's hey, well, not how it Hey, well, it's looked. timeless. Exactly. So Bethany said, you know, this issue of having impure thoughts, I have trouble with it when I'm lying down to bed. So I think we're definitely talking about horniness. Okay. And, and masturbating is not an option. Right. She said at night she's often tempted. So yeah, you know, so she wants to rub one off. So instead she pulls out her Bible. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I think about how people recommend that you never like try to do homework in bed because that should be the place uh, where you yes. sleep. Uh. So grabbing the Bible when you're feeling randy <laughs> seems like it would set up a little bit of a Pavlovian response. Uh, like, yeah. oh, Bible. Hmm. Yeah. That yeah. makes me think. Oh. Yes. I mean, I guess they're hoping it goes the other way. That it quashes those and those that, feelings, like a bowl of cold cereal. Right. And then the next time you think horny thoughts, you think of the Bible. Oh, this, oh this, is, this doesn't sound healthy. Okay. <laughs> so one woman from New York City, I'm going to call Jessica, she talked for a bit about the problems with COVID. And okay. I thought, oh, no, they're going to be like COVID's 5G or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, now that I think about it, they don't have the balls. They're such cowards. <laughs> uh, but so they seem to be sort of supporting her. They were like, oh, yeah, you know, things are really tough right now. Good for you for staying safe. Okay, so Jessica asked, can you be in ministry if you struggle with sexual sin? Oh, interesting. Okay. And boy, I hope so. I don't know. They're not too forgiving of that kind of thing. I know, but everyone does. If you define basically everything as sexual sin, then everybody sexually sin? Uh, I don't know. I was watching commentary video that was looking at some of their Girl Defined videos. It was two guys. Kobe, everyone will have seen it, and they'll tell me exactly what it was. But they were watching a video where the two sisters talk about the guys you need to avoid. Mm. And one of the types of guy was the struggler. He's struggling oh. with a particular sin or something in his life. Uh. When my wife and I were watching this, I said, pornography, that's what they're, uh. that's what this is code for. But then they also threw in like financial problems or lateness, whatever. Oh my but goodness. yeah, don't get involved with a struggler. You're not going to fix his problem. Wow. Yeah. And it was just so, well, awful. 
Yeah. This person has human problems. Stay away from that. Find the perfect person. So I'm guessing they would have no problem saying, yeah, well, they shouldn't be in ministry. Wow. If they're having problems. Wow. But yeah, why is the questioner asking this? Is Jessica asking for a friend? She didn't overtly say this, but she didn't seem to try to be hiding the fact that she was talking about herself. It felt pretty clear. So Bethany said, well, yeah, this is a really good question. You know, you're really brave for asking it. Thank you for doing that. So first, you should look for a person you can trust and be open with and like really tell them what's going on. It should be a woman. It should be a very godly woman. And then examine whether you're stuck in habitual sexual sin or just facing temptation. Uh, That sounds like the most responsible version of an answer they could give. Yeah, though they did say, deal with yourself before you try to lead, which decent idea generally. But in this case, it did sound like they were kind of saying, you should be over this before you step into ministry. Mm -hmm. We also learned from their book later that they are of the minds that women should never teach men, which is biblical. So if Paul this, said that, so if this young woman wants <laughs> your to cat be just looked at me like he said what? <laughs> <laughs> My cat is sitting on the chessboard and just staring at Ross. So yeah, if she wants to be a minister, I guess it's only going to be to other women and young people. Well, obviously they believe women can teach other women because that's exactly what they're doing. Right. Okay. So one young woman, she said she works at Starbucks. She's afraid to go back to work because in her regular life, that's where she holds hands with the devil. I'm sorry. What now? You know, when you're working at Starbucks and Satan is there and you're holding his hand the whole day. Even as... A constant companion of Satan. I've never encountered him at a Starbucks. Wait, what? Okay, apparently this girl felt that since most of her co-workers were not devout Christians. Oh, she's surrounding herself with bad influences. Right. But then her examples would be things like they want to go out after work to a place where they serve alcohol. Oh, no. Like They want to go to a bar or they want to go to a pub or whatever and get dinner and there was never any like i was like okay and then and then what happens that was enough I yeah guess. so yeah she wh- just felt when like does the that orgy happen <laughs> right so Kristen advised her just don't hang out with your co-workers after work they sound like they're not godly <laughs> unless, don't worry you're already a pill they know it <laughs> right unless you're past the temptation to take part in worldly things if it's not tempting to you then you can go and be a beacon of hope for these. But that's how she characterized it? Godless H- Holding people. hands with the devil? Looks like it. I put it in all caps in my notes. I keep thinking of Bob Larson's commentary on all this. Was Jezebel ever mentioned in any of this? Oh, good question. I don't remember any Jezebel references. Okay. Kind of surprising, isn't it? Because that first girl, he'd be like, we need to extract the demon Jezebel from Absolutely. you. That'll solve all your problems. And then he'd be like, did anyone in your family ever get murdered or go to a Mormon church or anything I have decided is bad? Oh, okay, that's why this yeah. is happening. And, and if he doesn't know that, he'll just ask the demon directly. How many generations? Right. How many? Oh, Bob. Okay, so then they called on a group of girls in Texas who kept waving their hands at the camera. I think they didn't know how to use the chat. Uh-huh. So they kept just, yeah, waving their Call arms us. wildly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there were like five or six of them. They were all in matching shirts. What color were the shirts? Uh, I think they were like seafoam green. Ooh, that's good color. Yeah. I got nothing against that. Okay. Well, we'll see how you feel about their question. They pass. Okay, we'll see. So one asked how to deal with being bullied at school. Oh, um, yeah, she's okay by me. Yeah. So then 
Bethany and Kristen were like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's so hard. So sorry you're going through that. And boy, do we get it because we get so much unkindness on the internet Mm. and we are bullied ourselves. And so we have chosen to respond with kindness and directness and in private as often as we can. And I did relate to this. Mm -hmm. Bethany said, when someone sort of anonymous has been mean to me and I reach out privately, they say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't expect a real response. (laughs) I was like, oh, I know that move. Yeah, totally. That happens a fair amount. As it says in the Bible, a soft answer turneth away wrath. But yeah, we know what that's like. Someone Mm -hmm. writes you very angrily, then you respond and they're like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize a person would read this. Right, yeah. Cool. (laughs) But Bethany and Kristen are getting... Some hate on the internet, that's true, but... Yeah, some of it may be very mean-spirited. Some of it may be deserved. Right. Was that all from the Texas group? I think so. Well, then they're all right. Okay, okay, phew. Seafoam green. Y'all passed. (laughs) Okay, so then there was this one very young girl, and she said that her brother-in-law is suicidal. Mm-hmm. And oh, this was so sad. She said, and my mom is telling my sister to get out of that relationship with her husband because suicide is a sin. Oh. Let's say, A, he's live. Yes. But boy, he's at a really low point in his life. You should leave him. Exactly. Leave the struggler. Yeah. Yeah. That's Uh. an emerging theme. God, Someone's having real human problems. Get away from them. Right. Let them flounder. Yeah. But fortunately... Bethany and Kristen did not respond that way in oh, this good. case. In fact, I thought, oh, this is 80% responsible. Bethany said, you know what? That's something I really don't know how to counsel about. And I think you should reach out to a therapist or a oh, counselor. Good, good for her. And I recommend the ASBC Biblical Counselors. So I guess they are these therapists who are specifically Christian and serve specifically Christian populations. Okay, ASBC Association, the Society for Biblical Studies. No. Was all um, sinners be cool? Weird, right? (laughs) Uh, Biblicalcounseling.com is their website. I don't know why I'm plugging it. Okay, so at this point, I had submitted a couple questions Mm -hmm. and they stopped right before mine. Oh, man. Oh, it was so frustrating. And then they said, you know, but we are scanning through the questions. And I think most of these ones that we didn't get to are covered in our blog. So go to girldefined.com slash blog and you can search. And you read every one of their blog entries? (laughs) I read every single one. No. But I did go and there's a good search feature. So my question had been about trans identity. So I typed in trans. Zero hits. Weird. Zero. So maybe they meant of the questions that we see that we'd be willing to answer, most of them are covered on our blog. Right. And we are too cowardly to admit our position on anything else. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So this seems like a good time to note that a listener pointed out to us that there is a historical reason why they are so evasive about their views. Yes, thank you, Sarah R. So apparently they did used to be far more explicit about their views, which include, of course, very strict definitions of gender, total denial of trans identity. She sent us a listing of archived blog posts that they've removed from their blog because they've gotten such unfavorable feedback. 
Some of the titles include The Gay Pride Movement and Their Sneaky Agenda, Keeping Marriage Straight, Why the Bible Never Recognizes Gay Marriage. I'd love to hear the corollary discussion of why the Bible does recognize plural marriage. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Here's my personal favorite. Yes. How to show love towards prostitutes, homosexuals, and Muslims. Maybe to not characterize them as prostitutes, homosexuals, and Muslims. That might be a good first start. Yeah, I don't know what connection you see there, Bethany. (laughs) Which of these does not belong? All of them. (laughs) Right. Normalizing what's wrong doesn't make it right. Why it's good to be closed-minded sometimes. And uh, germane to your question, should Christian girls embrace the transgender movement? And thinking clearly in the most dysfunctional generation ever. Oh, shit. I see what they did. Uh-huh. Portmanteau of gender and generation. That's oh, here- all I need to know. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. Why I'm not jumping into the gender blender. Sure. It sounds dangerous. Those are just the titles. One time. This was in high school, and I would send words of wisdom to my friends. They mm-hmm. were they were just emails with like one sentence of like a very silly kind of Jack Handy style piece of wisdom. Oh, okay. And one time it was never stick your hand in a blender. And then like two three weeks later, <laughs> my friend Ryan called me and was like, "I can't believe this happened, but what? I accidentally did not follow your advice." What? <laughs> You know, he stuck his hand in a blender somehow. What? I don't even know how, and like got it all cut up and out <laughs> of the emergency room. Was I it know. the power of suggestion? He just... No, he just realized it afterward. Like, oh my god, Carrie even told me, "Don't put your hand in a blender." It's one of those things you shouldn't need to tell anybody. Like, right. don't drill a hole in your head. And he knew not to. <laughs> Okay. But he did, just unthinkingly. My goodness. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was the Q&A. I like uh, in this article, Keeping Marriage Straight, Why the Bible Never Recognizes Gay Marriage. Kristen, she seems to be the author of the plurality of deleted articles. Mm-hmm. She starts by saying, oh, well, the Supreme Court doesn't have the right to define marriage. Only God can. The very first verse in the entire Bible tells us exactly who the author and creator of marriage is. He was the only one on the scene when it happened. In the beginning, God, dot, dot, dot. Okay. And emphasis added because they italicize God. Did you catch that? This verse might seem unimportant, but it's actually the foundation for your entire belief. In the beginning, God, not you, not me, not anybody else, only God. He was there in the beginning, and he is the author of marriage. He is the only one who can define it. And how do I know that? Because it's written in a book that was written thousands of years later. And the word for God there was Elohim, which is plural. So, Ah, shit. Chew on that, Kristen. (laughs) So speaking of Kristen, she would be the leader of the next session I attended. Oh, good. So this was a breakout session. There were a few of these where they were pre-recorded YouTube sessions, but they just wouldn't put up the link until this specified time, and then we would all go to whichever link we chose. Okay. Kind of a clever way to work the system. Sure, yeah. Uh, Uh, Breakout. (laughs) So I chose... Five Truths for Overcoming Crazy Girl Emotions. <laughs> really? It was called that? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so Crazy Girl Emotions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. How could you not choose that? How could I not choose that? There were so many good options, though. Oh, in fact. Yeah, what were the titles? Do you remember? Let me grab my notebook. <gasps> Don't do that. Grab a Bible instead. Oh, yeah. never mind. <laughs> 
Okay, yeah, let's see. What else was there? So Saturday, 1.30 p.m., the breakout sessions were Five Truths for Overcoming Crazy Girl Emotions, Mm -hmm. Why Our Modern Culture of Self-Love is More Harmful Than Helpful. That's Bethany. Oh, interesting. Huh. Okay. Understanding God's Timeless Design for Sexuality. That's Betsy Gomez, who we met in the previous episode. That's at least a nice, clear title. Yeah. 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 Navigating Relationships and Romance in a God-Honoring Way by a Married Couple. Okay. They're not listed as a married couple. They're listed as Paul and Morgan ologies. They're one letter off from a, a cool podcast. Oh, yes. That is a good podcast. Serving God Through Missions and Orphan Work. Boring. Um <laughs> Three inspiring women from the Bible and what they teach us today by a woman who I feel like just visually looks like, oh, you're just me in like 15 years. Second from the bottom. Okay, yeah. I feel like she could be my older sister. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'd buy that for $10. (laughs) And then pursuing authentic worship in the midst of a distracted life. I'd love to know who the three women are that uh, she highlighted, because there's very few women in the Bible, Mm, let alone ones with speaking parts. Yeah, I was thinking Ruth Ruth must be one. (sighs) Esther? Mary Magdalene? Not Mary Magdalene. There's all that confusion, people thinking she was a prostitute or something. Mary, Mm -hmm. the mother of God. Which, of course, the Bible looks down on as inherently bad. Yeah, Mary, mother of God, sure. Jesus. Dorcas? Or Dorcas. It's probably Dorcas. Okay. Probably just Dorcas three times. Um, so uh, Careful, you say Dorcas three times and she'll show up right behind <laughs> oh my you. God, I wish. <laughs> Let's try just in case. Okay. Dorcas, Dorcas, Dorcas. Dorcas. It's probably because we're facing each other. If she showed up behind you, she'd be in front of me. Oh, we made yeah, a yeah, paradox. Yeah, we canceled it out. I'll try oh, this again okay. tonight. Okay. In, in the dark mirror. in front of the mirror. Yeah, yep. yeah, there you go. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, so Kristen Clark, of course, would be teaching this one. It looks like while I was in there, there were 76 views. Oh, okay. Okay, so she starts out strong. She tells us, we all know it. Girls are emotional. There are five girls in my family. Imagine my poor dad. I'm imagining him. Cool, great. I, I imagine the guy and I feel sorry for him. Why? Because he spends time with these girls. <laughs> with his whole weird family? Not because they're emotional, but because <laughs> they're this family and they got some weird hangups. Yeah, though I have a feeling he's got the same one. Oh, I'm sure he uh, helped create them, yes. <laughs> yep. So. Let me say, I wouldn't want to be him. He wouldn't want to be Michael Baird. That's fair. Okay, to give us an example of the kind of crazy girl emotions that Kristen has. Okay. I mean, just crazy. Crazy shit. Oh, wow. This is nuts. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. She was so upset after she had three miscarriages. Like, she's just so sad. And like, like just having these big emotional reactions that would like completely overpower her. Of course you would have a horrible reaction to that. Yeah. What could be crazy or over reacting to that <laughs> or particularly feminine like yeah okay anybody who wanted to keep the pregnancy and had a miscarriage yeah Th- that is the time in your life to have a big reaction yeah and, and then three times and yes you are a woman so you're the only one who can directly experience that so i guess that is a girl emotion but not crazy no and 
presumably her husband was feeling similarly. Yeah. But so, she, you know, she starts to have these huge emotional reactions. Her emotions would overpower her. And she said, that's when they become crazy girl emotions, when you have no power over them. Oh. I know. Oh, man. I, I, God, like imagine it's just the wrong framework. Like doesn't yeah, the belong, whole thing is doesn't belong in a discussion of crazy girl emotions. <laughs> right, right. And like imagine being in a world where your only option is to be a wife and mother. That's the only way to really like gain respect in your tribe. Mm-hmm. Then you finally become a wife. You did that part. Now you're trying desperately to be a mother. Mm-hmm. That's not working out for you. Now you're blaming yourself. You're really upset. And now you're supposed to judge your reaction to? Yeah. Goodness. You just can't win. And we've already mentioned in the first part that you've got God in the equation now. So you have to figure out what he's trying to teach you and why he would right. offer you this and then snatch it away. Yeah. Why he giveth and taketh. Well, he knows better than we do. He's oh, a boy. What a horrible way to like make a bad situation so much worse. Yeah. With a lot of mind fuckery. Totally. So she tells us that emotions aren't inherently bad. God felt emotions when he created the world. Okay. Because it says in there, he saw that it was good. He saw that what he'd created for the day was good, Mm -hmm. not emotions specifically. Oh, correct. She's labeling as looking at something and saying, that's good, as an emotion itself. Like he was pleased. Oh, Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll buy that for a while. Fair enough. I don't know if it's comparable to the intense years-long grief a person experiences at the loss of a pregnancy but sure oh yeah so she says so that was the first emotion right was god's emotions but the first negative emotion came from humans and in particular it came from guess who um wait uh kane eve oh right 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 okay got it the first sinner the temptress eve But then her explanation for this was kind of confusing. At first, I kind of bought it. Like, okay, you know, we do interpret that story as Eve being sort of the original sinner, etc. So sure, she was probably the one with the first bad emotions in that story. But then Kristen goes through the story. It's such a weird question, though, because sin hadn't entered the world yet. So how was she able to have a bad Uh, emotion? Did she become the creator there? Yeah, because then the the act itself of accepting the offer of sinning was a sin. Yeah, that's so confusing. Which neuron firing was it? (laughs) Okay, continue. Well, so she sinned first. Okay, so Kristen turns to her Bible and points out, then she and Adam hide, right? Because they're like, oh no, we did something bad. God's going to find out. So then God's like, hey guys, where are you? And they're like, oh, we're hiding. Because we just realized we're naked. Like he doesn't know he's God. Right. So Adam, though, is the one who says, we're hiding because we're afraid. And she reads this and doesn't really comment on the fact that, well, wait, so the first negative emotion, then the fear, that was Adam. But them scurrying for the bushes, that was the first sign of it. Okay, so maybe she was the first to head to the bushes. You know, anything that's bad, Eve started it. (laughs) Okay. I think we've learned that from history, if we've learned anything. (laughs) So Kristen says, God wants us to take our crazy girl emotions and transform them into Christ-centered emotions. And she says, and if you only take one point, the biggest point from this talk, it's this. Our thinking directly impacts our emotions. 
So as she was realizing her emotions were completely out of control, she was totally overreacting to this whole... Yeah, I'm still waiting for an example of a crazy girl emotion. (laughs) Right. Overreacting to this whole miscarriage nonsense. She prayed for help with her emotional control, and God didn't grant it. It's just like a convoluted way of saying I was still in pain, right? Right. And then she heard a speaker, a Christian speaker, say... What we think impacts how we feel. And that was kind of like a light bulb moment for her. Someone invented CBT again. (laughs) This this happens so much in things we investigate Mm -hmm. where like the reason cognitive behavioral therapy works is because it is intuitive. You can intuit your way a little bit into it. And it basically says if you want to sort of interrupt the cycle of emotions and thoughts, you're Mm going to probably have to start with your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, kind of has a cascading effect. Okay, that's good advice. And she says, but as girls, we often let the caboose lead the train. Okay, so now she pulls out a set of wooden train toys. All right. And she's pointing at them, and she explains that the caboose is the emotions, whereas the engine is truth. And you want the engine to drive it. But as girls, we're always doing this, and she starts pushing the caboose. Oh, okay. Thank you for this visual aid, Kristen. This really helps. So the important takeaway is that you need to choo-choo-choose Jesus. <laughs> exactly. So if you're feeling crazy girl emotions, let's say, I don't know, your house burns down and everyone you know is killed and you're like upset about it, what you should do is turn on a praise song or write in your journal And it'll help you spiral down. I'm just thinking how interesting it is that you have this problem that presumably God could have intervened in. Uh Uh-huh. And then she asks God to help with her emotions. Doesn't get an answer there. Uh Uh-uh. And what does she get as a response? A Bible verse? No, just some practical advice. Right. And that's what eventually helps her. Yes, yeah. I see a very human story here. I don't see Mm -hmm. any supernatural agent at work in any of this. Yeah, And then I also see someone who is treating themselves through teaching. It's like when you go to a storytelling show Mm -hmm. and someone tells a story where it's like, you're telling yourself this story. Right, right. This is for you. Yeah. But we get to listen in. Which is cool. But sometimes it's like, oh, the way you're wrapping this up, I'm not even sure that that's the lesson here, but it seems to be what you need to conceptualize it as right now. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's some of that going on. So... Last few bits of wisdom, she mentions that during menstruation, we're all crazy angry ladies. We know it. Am I right? Am I right, girls? So you want to especially pray during your period. Okay. And she's been doing this lately, and her husband thanked her for not being like those other crazy wives once a month. Okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> all right. Isn't that nice? <laughs> 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 session four so next we have god's relevant design for the modern girl so i love this because it's titled like it is a book from 1975 okay god's irrelevant design for the modern girl first oh this is a main stage presentation i should say Ooh. with you know we've got our i and our r behind us so first we get the anthem and the dance again We're all, like, learning it. People are posting videos of themselves doing it. Already? Wow. Mm -hmm. When have they had a chance to do this? Was there a lunch break? Well, this is day two. Oh, duh. Yeah. If there was evening, there was morning. Plenty of time. Exactly. Yeah. 
go home, spend your whole night learning this dance. So Kristen and Bethany come out and they confess they actually don't know the dance. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's right. The first people who did it were their younger sisters? Their younger sisters and maybe a few other young women, but... They don't know the dance? We gave them one job. (laughs) (laughs) To know the dance that we didn't know would be here. But they said Bethany's husband, Dave, actually wrote the song. Oh, okay. okay. And that they said to him, oh, you know, we've been thinking we should have a song. And he just went in the other room, took half an hour and came out with this amazing anthem. All right. Um, Now, you told me Dave has a very interesting way of spelling Dave's name. Yes. Dave, I believe a white gentleman. And he spells his name D-A-V. And the A has a hat. (laughs) What's that called? Yeah, solid line. Solid line. (laughs) I'm sure we'll get a lot of linguists writing us to tell us what that is called. Yeah, I have seen that formulation used with people of like Indian and Pakistani descent, I think. Oh, interesting. Letting you know that that is the long form of the vowel. Right. Uh, Make of that what you will. So Dave goes in the other room and writes the song and they were like, and we were like, oh my God, he's a genius. Okay. It's, It's an amazing song. Is it? It's my ringtone now. Is that true? No. Uh, should be. That would be pretty good. Please send us videos of you rocking out to your ringtone as the girl to find conference. <laughs> so Bethany and Kristen say that they got a lot of comments yesterday. They were going through the chat and they saw that many people were like, okay, I get that I'm a child of God, but what are the specifics here about what I should do as a woman? And I was like, hey, all right, girls, you read my comments. Yeah. So, okay, good. Yeah, tell us, tell us. What should we do? Here we go. Here's the big show. Yeah, yeah. Finally. Okay. So, one time, they took a shortcut when they were driving. That was bad. Uh, <laughs> you jumping in? <laughs> they were on the way to Colorado taking a family trip. Well, that was good. And it looked like a good idea because point A to point B, straight line, uh-huh. save time. Sure. On a dime. Like a stitch in nine. Exactly. But you know what, Ross? It wasn't a good idea. It wasn't? No. And I think you might see where this analogy is going, but just to drag it out another three, four, maybe five minutes. Do it. I've got nothing but time. When we travel, we need to follow a tried and true map. Okay. So I think all of us at this point are like, we get it, the Bible. Go on. Okay. Right. Okay. Tried and true map. Mm-hmm. Sure. You see, you know, we, we hear these false narratives and these false maps about where to go with your life and what to do and these different guidebooks about what a woman should be. But really, there's only one true map. The Bible. <laughs> we know. The Bible. <sighs> so... When you hear all these false narratives about women, know that those are shortcuts to happiness, but they really Uh. lead you astray. So here are some reasons you might be struggling with this. Okay. One, you might worry about being considered old-fashioned. Okay. Okay. Two, a cute guy is asking you for sexy photos. What? Well, that came out of nowhere. What? first one was like very big and thematic and the yeah. second one's very specific yeah i thought maybe two would be god keeps promising you things and then snatching them away from you <laughs> like me Kristen. okay wow some guy might be asking for sexy photos sexy of you. photos okay yeah um, whoa that she really zagged on us there really three 
You want to get married eventually, but you're afraid to say that out loud because it doesn't sound ambitious enough, so you tell people you want things like going to college. What? Oh, <laughs> good. What? You have shame about wanting to be a wife and mother, and so you pretend to want to go to college. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's possibility three after a guy asks you for sexy photos. Being um, pressured into pretending you want an education. Mm-hmm, that's right. Because who would really want that? <laughs> Come on. Okay. Four, you've been single a long time, and you're starting to wonder if your standards are too high. Oh, no. Okay. I was with you two-thirds of that sentence. Yeah. You've been single a long time, you're starting to wonder, have I got things a little wrong? And Bethany says, oh, I get this one, because I was 30 when I got married. 30! She should have settled for a struggler. And five, social media shows you beautiful women and you're questioning whether you need to change something to match that. That's just such a weird and arbitrary list that they somehow assume will cover every... <laughs> every girl. Possible, woman. Uh, difficult road to navigate <laughs> that, yeah. that a woman could uh, encounter. What a weird list. Okay. Yeah, and nowhere is there some version of... You don't believe this will be a better life. Mm. You think other options are better for you. No, we all know that's not the case. <laughs> right. No one's in that place. So they say, we've taken these shortcuts too. And sometimes we doubt God's plan, but God does have a good design for our lives as modern women. Okay, cool. Let's hear what it is, gals. Yeah, yeah. So <gasps> I also note this hint of a theme I see in a lot of their conversations, which is, Oh, we've gone through this before. Mm -hmm. Don't do this. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you needed to go through it, clearly, mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Problem that parents and teachers struggle with a lot. Yeah. Realizing that. Learn from what I say, the mistakes I made. Right. I mean, there's, there there's a role to that. Yeah, for sure. Especially if it's like, oh, my dad got that alt-med treatment you're talking about, and it killed him. Mm -hmm. You should probably listen to that. Yeah, that's relevant info that you should take into consideration. And yeah, maybe it'll save you a lot of grief and effort. But it can very easily turn hypocritical where you just needed this experience in your life, and now you're denying it to others. Yep, totally. And then they might live with like lifelong angst. About a thing they never got to do. Right, or they never internalized a lesson because it mm -hmm. just it didn't transmit as well by proxy. Exactly. Well, I think we all follow, but you know what? I think we could use some visual aids. Good, so, yes. So, Bethany opens up a paper map and shows it to us. Okay. She's like, do you guys even know what this is? We used to have <laughs> these. It's Texas. Oh, yeah, it is a map of Texas. And now they're still drawing out this map analogy. See, this is a good map because it tells you exactly where everything is. But sometimes you want to take the GPS and you use Waze and you're like, oh, I can take a shortcut because other people are saying go this way. But really, you got to do it. The They've good extended old the metaphor way too far. <sighs> we get it. <laughs> So, okay, like, can we move past the metaphor to what you're actually saying? She hasn't revealed that it's the Bible yet. Nope. In fact, why don't we pull up another visual aid? Yeah. Here's a picture of a pirate map. See, God created us with a roadmap for our lives, and X marks the <laughs> spot. So there's a picture of a treasure map, 
And, oh, I, I get it. So they have to get out of the boat. First, I thought the boat was sailing through the island. Okay, oh, right. So, so you get out of the boat. It's confusing because the island is the same color as the sea. And then you walk around the palm trees and there's the buried treasure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. even a compass rose. We know which direction is north. Yeah, none of this was necessary. Nope. But it's like this, Ross. Okay. Pirates use that because they know that it works. They know (laughs) the pirate maps work. It's like the Bible. Oh, Oh, finally, they said it. 21 minutes in. Okay, so finally, she holds up a Bible. She says, this is the real map. Okay, great. By the way, she also says literally a lot, and it is often the incorrect usage. Sure. It's not a big deal. But it does. We'll lose that battle eventually. But yeah. I'll die on that hill. We'll literally die on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's kind of a double meaning to it. I'm going to say that from now on. Um, you can have all the treasures in this world and not know the truth. And it's not worth anything. Because again, the Bible is the booty in the pirate map. Do you understand? Oh, and it's the caboose. Wait, no. Mm, it's not no, the it's caboose. it's the engine. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I was hoping it was the booty and the caboose. <laughs> you, oh, yeah, me too. Truth is the engine that pulls the Bible, which is the booty, so that the caboose, which is emotions, may follow. You get it? Okay. I follow. Okay, and then she said, if we really care about this the way a pirate cares about a treasure map, which, what? We need to pay very special, close attention to the verses that talk about womanhood. And then she says, because there aren't very many. This Um, just makes me wonder how often pirates actually used maps. Yeah, if you're a pirate and you're listening to this, we really need to know your map strategy. I feel like that's one of those things that could have just been popular culture thing that sort of X marks the spot. This This is where I buried the treasure. Yeah. Okay, so she says there aren't that many verses that specifically are geared towards women. Most advice in the Bible is for everyone. Okay. Girl, listen to yourself. Maybe that means... That most of the advice humanity needs is for all of humanity. <laughs> Isn't that you shouldn't this be reading clear so much line. import into those like five verses you found? That's true. Yeah, so far we really haven't gotten much that is for a woman rather than anybody. Exactly. Okay, so she says just slow down, tune out the other messages, and focus on God's direction for your womanhood. So she says, let's do that right now, just like the pirate analogy. So we are 26 minutes into this talk and we are finally getting past the metaphors. She says, okay, we're going to get to the nitty gritty now. The rubber is hitting the road. Here it is. These are the two passages in the Bible that tell us the most specific instructions for being a woman. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm ready for it. Here it comes. Second day. (laughs) Talk four. Second day, talk four, minute 28. Okay. Proverbs 31 and Titus 2. We talked about Proverbs 31 a little bit in the previous episode. Yeah. And Proverbs 31 is like a recounting of this mother telling her son what kind of woman he should look out for, right? 
Oh, well, this was uh, King Lemuel, the his sayings. Oh, Lemuel, that's right. Okay, so she says, although Proverbs 31 isn't written to us, it's actually written to men saying this is the woman to look for. Yeah, sure. You know, it still gives us an indication of the sort of women we should be. Women probably weren't allowed to read then. <laughs> True. It's not written to us, but I would say it's written at for us. us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at us is better, more accurate. Okay, so they read the whole thing out. But they're going to highlight a few of them. So, of course, they do go through the stuff, you know, about wool or whatever. Flax? Yeah, I think I think they, I think they passed through that. But, okay. but so the ones that they highlighted were her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value was one. Mm-hmm. And they summarized that as she loves and respects her husband. And she said, and sometimes we struggle to do this, right? In society, we aren't encouraged to respect our husbands. We're encouraged to do whatever we want. But instead, you want to give your husband value and honor. Which sounds nice. But then what about when your husband kind of goes off the rails and gives bad commands or is not a good leader or does something wrong or he's struggling? And why are we separating out women and telling them this? Right. Shouldn't the men respect the women? Shouldn't everybody respect everybody? Which they would agree to, right? Right, that the man should think, respect the woman. I think if you said that, yes. If you never brought it up. But how does it play out the in the real world? Maybe then they would have distinctions. Yep. So she said, so ask yourself how you treat men. And if you don't have a husband yet, you can practice on your father and your male friends. So like defer to all the men in your life is how that sounds to me. Hmm. Another one to highlight was she brings him good, not harm, all the days of his life. Okay. Kristen says this includes the days you live before you meet him, the single days. So the way to do this is to pursue God's design for sexual purity. Just to clarify, the sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Okay. So it did come from a lady. Okay. Another one. She gets up while it is still night and provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. They summarize that as she works really hard morning until night. So you don't want to be lazy. You don't want to be self-serving. Again, fine rules. Why the women in particular? Why? What? Sure. Then. And she has female servants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they highlight the part where she dresses her family in scarlet? (laughs) No. What? Do you believe that? And she's got purple? Come on. Are they not literally reading the Bible? You know, now that I think of it, this whole family in scarlet and purple is probably going to look like the modern-day interpretation of a satanic cult. Oh, you know, the Rajneesh Param people, they wore red and purple. Okay. So she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. They interpret this as, like, being hospitable, opening your home to others. That's Uh, all good. Sure. Why women in particular? I don't know. They said, don't hide behind the label of introvert. That can be easy to do. So you should be extroverted, welcoming... Even if that's against your nature. I guess, you know, they didn't have Susan Cain back then. Who's Susan Cain? The one who wrote that book, Quiet, about introverts. Oh, right. She's clothed with strength and dignity, of course. She can laugh at the days to come. (laughs) (laughs) She speaks with wisdom. And she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So they summarized that as she takes great care of her home and family doesn't neglect her family, and her kids and husband aren't accessories. She's not ambitious and following all these goals, and her kids and her husband fall in the backgrounds. They are in the forefront of her attention. Mm. And the goal should be to do all your work for your family. So 
if you have to make a second income, you must, then you should be attempting to, you know, minimize that as much as you can. And all of that money and goal should be directed toward your kids. Should focus on being Mamala and not necessarily Kamala. Yeah, okay. She said uh, it will be a real honor to be vice president, but the most important title in my life will always be Mamala. Ah, cute. Very cute. cute. Then, of course, there's Titus. Titus 2, 3 through 5. Okay, yeah, that's classic. But the parts that they highlight are that we should love our husbands and children, be busy at home, and be subject to their husbands. Subject. Yeah, okay. Are That's we, a loaded word. Right. Are we finally going to deal with this? Is this what you're saying? Yeah. This, okay. You're going to grow up here? You're going to do it? Yeah. How does this play out when the rubber meets the road? Right. Who calls the shots? We're just going to barrel on through like the caboose. So she says, you know, it's just basically be respectful, love your kids. This one is so relevant today because there's just a war on the family. They want you to rip the family apart. I'm saying all of this to the husband as well. Be respectful, love your kids. <laughs> right. Haven't said anything wrong yet. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Love your kids, men. Y- yeah, that's that's Ross's directive, mm-hmm. not Bethany's. She can't talk to you. Another thing we can do is mentor young women. Okay, maybe that's something I can't tell the men to do. Yeah. Men, you need to mentor young men. Okay, right. That's what world. they would believe, sure. No, but I think they can mentor young women, because I mean- they're allowed to be ministers to everybody. Oh, okay. You want to be self-controlled. Men you be, be self-controlled. Pure. Men be pure. You don't want to be a slave to wine or TikTok or anything else. That's something Men else don't be a slave to wine or TikTok. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, Sarah R. also pointed out why they dislike TikTok so much. Oh, right, yeah. Because they've gotten a lot of grief on TikTok from people who feel that they're hypocritical or who are perpetuating a, a rumor out there about Bethany's husband's sexuality. Right, um, which seems both cruel and unfounded. Yeah, even if true, the way it's been treated is very mean-spirited. Yeah. So wouldn't get behind that. Um, but they don't like TikTok. Yeah, but it's very funny to jump all the way to we hate the app. It's, yeah. you know, like the failing New York Times because they printed an editorial about me. <laughs> exactly. Um so and Trump is trying actively to get rid of TikTok right now. And the mail. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, God. People of the future, oh, I hope you're okay. I hope we all survive. I'm s- genuinely scared in a way that I've never been scared before in my life. Please vote. Please vote. Didn't think Dear I'd God, see please vote. American democracy under attack in my lifetime. Yep, yeah, me neither. Me in neither. this in this way. Yeah. Ugh. So, Bethany well, tell us how these apply to her own life. Okay, okay real examples. Sure. Okay. Okay, so we get two big examples from Bethany about how she has acted these out in her own life. Okay. Okay. Finally, a first-person story about how this happens. Bethany, break it down. Mm-hmm. Number one, when she was in high school, she read Christian romance novels, and she noticed okay. she was thinking impure thoughts. As even a even reading a Christian romance novel? That's right. I remember seeing these Christian romance novels and it was like the mental image I get was of a woman kind of in a white robe 
in a, I don't know if it was like a gladiator pit or something like that, but it was like in an arena of some sort. But I just remember looking at that thing. That is such a weird genre. (laughs) Yeah. I read Christie when I was in middle school, which had some romantic storylines. So was it like... Christy found a godly, virtuous man, but oh, then yeah, they course. started kissing. That's a good question. Is there any kissing? There might be kissing at the very end, but I can't remember if she marries. It's supposed to be godly what. in that context, but it was giving her impure thoughts. Yes, even in this from a case, pure source. The Christian romance novels were giving her oh. impure thoughts, so she threw them out. Oh, lady! Oh, you must be so hard up for. <laughs> Or uh, something. Oh, goodness. And then, <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I remember getting rid of pornography in a fit of righteous fury and feeling mm-hmm. just disgusted with myself. Sure. But just what a sad picture of someone like having to burn or throw away or destroy Christian romance Christian novels. Christian romance novels. Because it's just a be- bridge too far. <laughs> exactly. This is the struggle in my life. Oh, this is so sad. And then example two. She met a girl who didn't have any friends, and Bethany befriended her. That was hospitable. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's nice. Well, good on that other girl. That's nice. And that is the sum total of advice, specific advice we will get on God's design for women. The Grand Fier, <laughs> we now understand, befriend the lonely and throw away your Christian romance novels. Kristen and Bethany, I, I wish you well. I don't think you've cracked the nut of how to live. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you've solved a lot of these issues. You're still dealing with them. That was Earth. was that the last meeting of the day? Um, I'm checking to make sure. <laughs> Are there more questions than answers here? No, there's some more. It okay. looks like I didn't go to them. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they did finally get to habits of a strong Christian girl. Now I'm remembering this. Oh, yes. Okay. So they said I was going to have access to it on Facebook, but I think at this point I just switched to book learning. Uh-huh. Which we now will as well. But first, Ross is it. I'm Ross. You know what I, as a woman, yeah. love? Shoes. Shoes! <laughs> Get one jazz hand. <laughs> and in particular, my Rothies, my cute little green Rothies with this golden sunburst design on the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ugh, adorable. My wife, Kara, mm-hmm. she loves her Rothies so much so. She's worn them a lot where she says, I think I need a new pair because I'm starting to wear down the side wall of my Rothy's. So I asked her. Which still took years. Oh, yeah. She's had these for a long time. So her birthday's coming up. So I'm ordering her a new pair of Rothy's. Oh, I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. She doesn't. Okay. But uh, she likes the, um, there's a black model that has just a stripe of blue. Mm. Very fashionable. She wears them with uh, all kinds of outfits. Nice. Both casual and dressy and yeah, super comfortable. I can attest. Very comfortable shoes. So I'm getting some new Rothy's for my wife. Nice. And you know, summer's turning to fall, folks. And Rothy's is here to make your day with comfortable, machine washable, and sustainable products. Rothy's come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns. Rothy's are available in a range of styles. 
and they have kept over 50 million single-use plastic bottles out of landfills. Oh, wow. And transformed them into their signature thread, which is then knit into a beautiful, sustainable product. And they really are super comfortable as soon as you put them on. I am one of those people who I get a new shoe and it immediately cuts up my heel. Right, right. No, I got to wear a Band-Aid over my heel. Right. And my Rothy's were actually comfortable from day one. Hey, and that number is going up. They are keeping more single-use plastic bottles from getting tossed on a landfill. Yeah, we should ask them for an update. Are we at 50 million and one? Because we want to tell our listeners. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll keep you posted on that. The newest Rothy's edition is their first adjustable sneaker. Ooh, I'm going to look at that. Yeah, that's cool. So check out all the amazing shoes and bags available right now at rothys.com slash oh no. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash oh no. Speaking of things that are great for women, but could also equally apply to men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you heard of Curiosity Stream? Yes, I have. It's not marketed toward any particular gender. It's marketed to us all. It's uh, for humans. It's for human beings who enjoy quality documentaries, I believe. Yeah, documentaries and all kinds of fun educational TV. And did you know that Ono oh Ross and Carrie is supported in part by Curiosity Stream? Oh no, I thought you were just talking. It's like Netflix for documentaries. Smart TV for your smart TV. And that's a smart thing to say about it. You know, a true story. I went to download it to mm-hmm. check it out as a channel on Roku and uh, got one of those fancy Roku TVs. And it was already there because my wife had downloaded Curiosity Stream. Oh, wow. And I was like, made for each other. We should get married. <laughs> uh, let's see. I watched a documentary on the history of maths. Oh, cool. That was really fun. I especially like it when people refer to maths. Yeah, me too. And and then I watched one about the solar system. And yeah, I ended up watching quite a few. I was just getting hooked and I was playing games on my phone while I was watching educational TV and Cara got into it too. Yeah, it's cool because they have the sort of hard science stuff, but they also have the cultural stuff. So, you know, if you want to see the history of Russia in the 1930s, maybe it's there. Yeah, it's like history, archaeology, science, animals, all that nerd stuff Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. uh, our kind of people enjoy. I think our listeners are downloading it right now. I was digging it. Curiosity Stream is a streaming service that has thousands of documentaries and nonfiction TV shows on topics like, and I think you'll be very surprised by this, Ross, like history, nature, science, food, technology, travel, and more. Oh my goodness. They even have exclusive programs featuring David Attenborough, Stephen Hawking, Sigourney Weaver, Nick Offerman. Oh yeah, I watched one with Nick Offerman uh, narrating, and Chris Hadfield. Who's that? The one who did that um, ground control to Major Tom oh, okay. music video in the space station. Oh, okay. And you can easily stream everything from your TV, phone, tablet, or computer. I know what you're thinking. You're excited to sign up for Curiosity Stream. Go to curiositystream.com slash oh no, or use the code O-H-N-O to sign up. Just $14.99 for the whole year. The whole year? Not per month. No. But if you break it down, if you do the maths. That's a little over a dollar a month. That's $1.25 per month. Wow. Come on. Come on. Fun fact, Sigourney Weaver gave herself that name and she picked it from a character in The Great Gatsby. Whoa, what? Yeah. 
That's cool. Sigourney is mentioned like I think only one time, but I guess she saw it in there and she's like, that's a great name. Huh. It's like when you meet someone um, at a friend named Cherith. Oh, yeah. Her name came from like the name of a a valley or a river that the prophet Elijah stayed in momentarily. Oh, wow. When he's being fed by birds, something like that. And like, wow, okay. Huh. Yeah, Sigourney. I, I, I never questioned that name. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I know now. So, Ross. Hey, Carrie. If a person were to go to a conference of a thing they don't really believe in and they find vaguely irritating. Okay. And they were going to go for two whole days. Why stop there? No, keep going. Why not order the book written by these two sisters and read the whole goddamn thing? I mean, that person sounds like a glutton for punishment in the first place. (laughs) Oh, are you talking about yourself? Oh, yeah. And that little girl was me. (laughs) Exactly. Not, you know, I was having a good time. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm very able to keep horror and glee both present in my person. This is why we have a podcast. (laughs) That's right. Um, Okay, so I bought Girl Defines God's Radical Design for Beauty, Femininity, Femininity and Identity by Kristen Clark and at the time Bethany Baird, though we all know she got married when she was 30. 30! So she has a different last name now. And I learned recently from watching a video on YouTube, she had not kissed her husband until they were married. Goodness. That's some Pamela's prayer stuff. Life goals. Wife goals. So... As you can see, I had some notes. Yeah, Carrie, <laughs> Carrie's got quite the collection of post-its hanging out the uh, pages of the book. So as you know, this is signed by the authors. Yeah. Amazing. Proverbs 3130 right there. There it is. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you some things that stood out to me. Yes, please do. Near the beginning of the book, they talk about a particular public figure who they feel had a tragic story, even though she had what every woman wants. Brooke Shields. No, but you know what? I think you're in the right ballpark. Okay. Someone who's no longer with us. Kim Kardashian. She's with us. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know that. You're right. You know what? If... By the time this comes out, Kim Kardashian has passed away. Then I'm going to feel horrible. A, Ross may be psychic. B, Ross may be a murderer. Oh, no. So yeah. just keep that in mind, everybody. Oh, no. It wasn't <laughs> me, I swear. Yeah, who? Marilyn Monroe. Oh, okay, yeah. But here's what's weird. They tell her story fairly accurately that she bounced around from foster home to foster home, kind of couldn't find a permanent home. Her mother dealt with pretty severe mental illness. She was sexually abused as a kid. Hmm. And then they just completely blame her for her demise. They tell us this whole origin story, so they know it. Okay. They establish our sympathy. Right. And then they're like, but fame and beauty didn't save her. And as a result of her bad decisions, she ended up dead. Wow. But you just... You demonstrated that you knew her story. Yeah. How did you get this lesson out of there? Oh, poor Norma Jean. I know. Okay. Um, They seem uh, very casual with the blame laying. Oh, for sure. Extenuating circumstances be damned. 
they tell us about them growing up and how they grew up in a Christian family. Okay. And during high school, they had all of these friends who were also Christian and very devout. But then some of them moved away for college. And I think you know where this is going. Oh, no. Did they go to a secular college? Probably. Oh, no. Were, were there the liberal professors there? Mm-hmm. Who taught them evolution? Probably. This whole investigation reminds me of the movie Saved. Oh, yeah. It really for makes sure. me want to watch that again. Okay, so here's a quote, page 29. We watched some of our godliest friends turn into complete atheists. We saw other friends reject purity and dive headfirst into sexual relationships. Some got married and then quickly divorced. A couple of single friends got pregnant out of wedlock. And we witnessed quiet friends turn into raunchy party animals. As the years went on, many of our friends continued dropping off the Christian radar. They no longer embraced biblical femininity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if you were friends with them in high school, just know they think you're gross. Yeah. But please get in touch. I want to hear about <laughs> them in high school. Oh, please. yeah. And in particular, if your name is Katie Jones and you grew up in Texas. Yeah, Katie. We want to hear from you. They talk so much shit about you. Really? Oh, my God. I hope it's not her real name. Yeah. But they don't say it's not. Okay. But yeah, this is totally saved slash mean girls Uh where they've just stayed that same person. Oh, yes. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, everybody else grew up and accommodated the world. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And they still wrote burn book. They stood apart. Yeah, exactly. So, Katie Jones. Katie, Katie. A girl we both knew in high school. Yeah, it doesn't say pseudonym. Mm. She learned this lesson the hard way. Instead of looking to Christ for her identity, she chose the path of counterfeit femininity. In the next chapter, we'll take a peek at her story. Do you think they just made her up and her story is kind of a... Yeah, possible. ...conglomerate slash convenient fiction? I tried to look up Katie Jones, but it's such a... Oh. Yeah, it's impossible. Everybody is Katie Jones. I have found like five or six women in San Antonio alone named Katie Jones. (laughs) I like that you looked. But But if you are the Katie Jones who's like, of course I know them, please get in touch. The Bairds. So then we get the three pillars of counterfeit femininity. So these are all bad. First pillar, liberation. Oh. Bad. Being let go from... Tyranny? Yeah, or some sort of oppression. Yeah. Bad. That's bad. Founding of the United States. You bad. Should not I be if they'd stand liberated. That. Two, independence. Same thing. Yep. <laughs> uh, and three, sexual freedom. Bad. Sexual freedom. Okay. Wow. I'm sensing a theme here. All yeah. of these are freedom, liberation, having your own agency, independence. So the pillars of the good femininity... Oh, we're getting there. But go ahead and guess. ...would be the obverse. Hmm. So that would be, well, dependence and... (laughs) uh, What was the last one? Sexual... Freedom. So sexual Sexual bondage. bondage. And then the first one, yeah, the opposite of liberation is just slavery. Uh, Yeah. God, I hope that's not where they go. I think I would remember that. I'm pretty sure it's not. (laughs) Um, So about Katie Jones, who again... We're taking it face value that this is her real name. Here's how they describe her life. Katie married her high school sweetheart in the midst of pursuing her college degree. 
Less than one year into her marriage, Katie regretted her decision. Settling into married life with a husband attempting to lead her wasn't quite what she expected. As the second year of marriage rolled around, Katie shocked us all. She left her husband and demanded a divorce. (gasps) Shortly after her divorce, Katie entered the party scene. She quickly found a new man who was enamored by her independent spirit and her sexy outfits. The last time I saw Katie Jones, she was eight months pregnant, working as a full-time waitress, partying on the weekends, and living with the boyfriend who got her pregnant. Watching Katie over the years felt like a front row seat to a celebrity's life. She had been the most popular girl in town. She was the girl everyone was jealous of in high school. Anne was the girl who appeared to have it all. And now her life is filled with dysfunction and heartache. Her popularity is gone. Her friends have moved on. She's no longer the girl people look up to. Her friends have moved on like what, you? Right. (laughs) We're certainly not (laughs) obsessing about it. (laughs) Yeah, you haven't moved on. Goodness, I keep thinking if Katie had a miscarriage, I wonder... Hmm. If they would sense that as a punishment. Oh, wow. Or if they would have just the scrap of empathy left to realize like, oh, well, I did everything perfectly and I still experienced Oh, right, right. So this is all framed as punishment or commentary on your choices. Right. Or if we don't like your choices. Or conversely, if she had a healthy, lovely child, would she then be like the prodigal son's older brother saying, wait a second, I did everything right. Why didn't I get this, this lesson? Interesting. Okay, wow, yeah, Yeah. shade on Katie. Indeed. I bet Katie's an okay person. Maybe that first husband was not being a good husband. Yeah. Do you think that? trying to quote unquote lead her. What does that look like? Might be fine, conceivably be fine. Mm -hmm. Also could be a controlling dick. Right. I like how she checked in with her friend just long enough to like get all the details on her life and her boyfriend and what she's <laughs> right. like. I picture her visiting the restaurant and be like, so Katie, oh, Katie it's what are you doing dance. these days? Huh? Oh, are you pregnant? Oh, okay. That's very nice. And I'm taking a little notes. <laughs> right. Going in my burn book. Right. Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> Yeah, there's also something so like classist about being like she's a waitress. Yeah, like, oh, she's, totally. She's, she's a job. Like anyway, you knew it was coming. You were waiting for it. Yeah. The modeling stories begin. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Humble brag. Yes. <laughs> this was maybe my favorite part of the book because they take us pages and pages to tell us their modeling stories. Um, they were both models. Well, Kristen's story basically amounts to. I got a modeling contract. My agent wanted me to take these jobs with like skimpier clothing than I was comfortable with. I said no. Okay. They started giving me fewer and fewer jobs because a lot of them required that. Mm-hmm. After a year, I let my contract expire and decided that's not what I wanted to do. And now I'm a waitress. <laughs> no. But she makes so much of that. Like that it is this journey where she saw the truth about the world of modeling. And she stood for her principles. Right. And then Bethany's story is even smaller. So she goes on one meeting with a modeling agent. Mm -hmm. One meeting. Okay. And says, just FYI, like I have a modest lifestyle. I'm certainly not going to do nudity. I'm also not going to do like immodest clothing. And he says, well, you know, you're starting out and it's going to be hard to build your resume if you're taking so few jobs. Okay. She 
goes to her car and she washes her hands with hand sanitizer and she's like, that is enough of a glimpse of the modeling industry. I can't believe the modeling industry focuses on looks. (laughs) Right. Really, we should be modeling Christ's love. Oh, you know it. (laughs) Um, They say, through those short-lived modeling experiences, our wishes came true. We no longer had to assume. We had seen it firsthand. No, you didn't. (laughs) One sneak peek into the industry was enough. Everything about the lifestyle of a model was unappealing to us. The constant pressure to look amazing. The daily competition to beat out other models. How did you see this in this meeting? The stress of always trying to look better, be skinnier, have clearer skin, get rid of cellulite, wrinkles and pimples, not to mention the eating disorders, drugs, alcohol, and creepy photographers. I love this too because not only does it allow them to talk about how, you know, we were model quality. Right. It means that they can also then turn around and judge every other professional model. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's right. For being inherently corrupt. Yep. Cool. That's right. (laughs) I get to have all the prestige of having been a beautiful model Mm -hmm. and turn it into like a moral story. Right. I'm reminded of my favorite book, which is Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me. Ah, yes. By uh, Carol Tavers and Elliot Aronson. And it's all about cognitive dissonance theory. And one of the illustrations they use is of this pyramid. And you kind of start at the top and you have a choice to make in life. And you choose one direction or the other. And at that point, it might have been 50-50 or close. You had to deliberate and think about it. But you go down one side of the pyramid or the other. Mm. But then you find yourself at the base. And then it's so easy to point at someone else who took the opposite direction Mm -hmm. and fell down the other side of the pyramid and then point at them and accuse them of moral flaws or you know somehow you're like oh well i didn't choose that so you're terrible treating it as if they had a 50 50 decision right and forgetting that you were so close to going the opposite way Mm -hmm, yourself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah anyways uh i buy that so moral of the story is modeling was actually used to test the girls and they passed Hmm. quote god got a hold of us before we plunged down a specific path He used our modeling interviews and experiences to encourage us to look ahead and seriously consider where we were going. Wow, they even used that same exact metaphor, essentially. We chose that path. Yep. Okay. Okay, so at this point, we're on page 61, and they still haven't really said what women should do. The book Um, is called Girl Defined. Have they defined girl yet? mm -mm, I have no idea what a girl is. (laughs) But I highlighted on page 61, they said, that that was the point where they started to own their own beliefs. And I'm like, okay, and then what are they? But Tell then we posted them are. online and it turned out they were really ugly and people gave us grief for them. <laughs> now we disowned them. We deleted them. Yeah, we disowned them in the most cowardly way. Now we are incredibly vague. Oh, yeah, that's worth noting. It's not like they changed their minds. I am all for people changing their oh, minds. absolutely. And I think we need to be better about being nice to people who change their minds. <laughs> yes. But that's not what's happening here. Okay. This is just, or appears to be oh, we don't like how when we are specific, we're called out for it. So we're just going to circle the drain endlessly. And say things in such a vague way that people who agree with us can take the message. Yes. And everybody else can shove off. And we have plausible deniability to call us out. We've seen that a lot from the presidency. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, my favorite chapter title in a book ever. Ooh. Gender. 
You are so magnificent. Okay. Yeah. Talking to gender. Sure. It's so magnificent. You know, people don't talk to gender enough. <laughs> so I'm sure you can guess what this chapter is about. Um, gender, the current culture is trying to destroy it. There are these schools that are using gender-neutral toys and gender-neutral baby names and promoting this idea that gender doesn't matter or isn't, you know, as built in an idea as we thought it was. Oh, the tragedy. Oh, yellow baby blankets. So oh, Why don't you just pee on a blanket? <laughs> so they say, we know that God designed females and males to be equally valuable in worth, but purposely different in roles. And then they don't tell us. Even though we can never, ever define that in any meaningful way. Right. And also that equally valuable thing is like such a protest too much. Separate like, but equal. If that were true, if I went to a man's conference, we would hear stuff like, now men, you're just as important. You really are. I know I know it doesn't always feel like that, but you are. Wow. You never hear that shit. Yeah, that is so right on. Thank you. Okay, and then they start talking about sort of like forming a relationship where you complement one another, where one of you is strong at something that the other isn't, which I think is great advice. Yeah, you should always compliment one another. Like, <laughs> I like your shirt. Thank you. But that's actually not the kind they mean. Oh, compliment. Compliment. Yeah. So I guess one very traditional conservative way to do that is make sure you are very feminine and your husband is very masculine and you will- Sexual dimorphism. Right. You will automatically- Make sure he grows a mustache. He'll be good at tools and you'll be good at tool. The- (laughs) What? (laughs) Tool is the- (laughs) That like stuff in a dress that makes it puffy. (laughs) Oh, there's a bumper sticker. Just came out of my mouth. Um, uh, So, you know, if you're in a society where everyone's raised that way, sure, that is one way to split the labor. But it's like, we're kind of past it. We're at a point in society where you can actually pick things you're interested in. Right. And compliment one another through those things. Yeah, totally. (sighs) Huh. Why is that not enough? Right. I don't know. It's like all of this effort to maintain all of these prescribed images of what is feminine and what is masculine that you like purposefully seek them out mm-hmm. that like you intentionally think okay what is feminine like right, that's where right. you start to look for something you're into right 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 instead of just like if you happen to like things that the culture associates with femininity fine yeah because if you really had trust in those gender role mm, categories mm-hmm. then it would just naturally sort that way well, anyway that's, yeah that's a good point like when they're saying we're naturally more nurturing and so on mm-hmm. like okay then you don't need to tell me i'm naturally more that yeah 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 it'd be like your lungs are actually really great at filtering oxygen and putting it into your bloodstream so make sure you oh, do that oh i'll do it. yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> Okay, here comes one of my least favorite pop psych relationship advice pieces that seems to have filtered from evangelical Christianity into the mainstream. I've heard this in secular places too. Yeah. That in an opposite sex marriage, man and woman, that the woman should respect the husband and the man should cherish the wife. Okay. So the man doesn't need cherishing and the woman doesn't need respecting. Hmm. Women just want to be cherished and men want to be right. respected. Yeah, it's saying that we understand the whole in men and the whole in women. Right. 
for one, it's always going to be respect, and for the other, it's always going to be yeah being loved. Is that a proper synonym for cherished? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, would you rather be respected or cherished by Kara? Oh, if interesting. You, you can only pick one. Mm, I don't know. I don't like the thought of any one of them without the other. Sure. I guess, though, like... If you cherish someone, but you don't respect them. Yeah, right. Is that possible? I was going to say, well, uh, maybe I do lean towards respect, but respect without cherishing just feels like fear slash intimidation. Or or just like acquaintanceship. Or like, uh, (laughs) you know, Melania's (laughs) Melania's view towards Trump. Yeah, perhaps. I don't know if she even respects him, but maybe. Like my postal carrier, respect and not cherishing. You know, <laughs> okay. although actually in this particular moment, we're starting to cherish starting him. To cherish him. Uh, anyway, yeah, well, okay. But yeah, I feel like that's foundational. Like first, you have to respect the person you even want to know. Like both of these are pretty low on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> right, like, we need right, both of them. Right after your food and nourishment, you need respect and love. Right, and a place to poop. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so apparently this is the moment where I felt I was finally given specifics. Page 74, look at all these stars. Woohoo, you've earned specifics. it. Specifics. Finally some specifics. <laughs> okay. Our bodies, meaning women's bodies, okay. are built differently than a man's. We typically have softer skin, smaller muscles, and slighter frames. We have the capacity to get pregnant and carry a baby inside of our wombs. We tend to be more relational and nurturing. God hardwired us to be different from men for a reason, and that reason should matter to us. The book of Genesis proves that the school in Sweden, the one with all that gender-neutral bullshit, Um, has it all wrong. The word bullshit was my parenthetical. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's not very ladylike to swear. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Softer skin, smaller muscles. Okay, we've got a list finally. That's our definition of a girl. Yeah, okay. So... If you're just a smaller statured man mm-hmm. with soft skin, you're pretty close. Uh, okay, the three pillars of biblical womanhood. Oh, here we We're go. Finally, getting to it. Okay. Okay. The first one in the false femininity was liberation. Right. Right. Three pillars of biblical womanhood. Number one, she helps others. Okay. Seems like not mutually exclusive from the first list, but okay. True. Number two, she produces life. Okay, also not mutually exclusive. Nope, a gardener does that. Three, she nurtures relationships. And the other one was sexual. Oh, yeah, sexual freedom. All right. Well, numbers one and three, helps others and nurtures relationships, everyone should do. Produces Mm -hmm. life, anyone can do, and no one should be obligated to do. Yeah. Yeah. But also, just you, I think, as a reader and writer, will hate this as much as I do. They repeatedly write with these long parentheticals about who is speaking right now. So check out that first sentence. Oh, wow. We, parenthesis, Kristen and Bethany, along with two of our siblings, Timothy and Rebecca, end parenthesis, pulled through the guarded gate and headed to the guest parking lot. After we got out of the car, our camera crew parenthesis, Timothy and Rebecca, and parenthesis, rummaged through the trunk and pulled out supplies. They tested the cameras and said, ready when you are. Well, that was some good detail. (laughs) 
It's like that throughout. That might be the worst example, but just constant like, hi, Bethany. That's just bad writing. Yes, it's very irritating. Speaking of producing life, anybody who sells Divide is producing life. Ah, touche. Touche. Okay, finally, on page 88, we find out the core of womanhood, the most important thing. Sure, the pithy center. Yes. Producing life, both physically and spiritually, is at the core of womanhood. Question. Kristen. Yeah. Fertility's been very difficult for you. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. But certainly that doesn't make you less of a woman. We would hope not. There are many women who cannot reproduce. That doesn't make them any less women. They realize that problem, right? Right, yeah. So they start telling us, sure, there are some some women who will never be able to do that. And that's okay, because it can also be spiritual life-giving. Okay, so then I'm thinking, okay, but then why couldn't Bethany do full-time ministry? Ah, and then how do men do ministry where they are spiritually life-giving? Yeah, no, you shouldn't do that. Huh. Women shouldn't teach men. Men shouldn't teach at all. Basically, women should teach girls, and men should go to the forest. (laughs) So that's what I took from this book. They also say, when we as women choose to produce life, we imitate our Savior Jesus Christ. A known woman. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Do you not notice an unmarried man without kids? He had long hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We hear a story about a woman named Ashley who quit law school. She was going to be like a pro-life attorney. And then she realized, oh, my God, by being an attorney, I won't be able to be a full-time mother. She realizes this like three quarters of the way through law school. No. And then leaves law school. Poor Ashley. Oh, one of my favorite stories that Kristen tells is about how one time she succumbed to the popular standard of beauty and got hair extensions. And oh, They're so hard to maintain. She had to cut some out of her head, and it was God teaching her a lesson not to try to follow those ugly standards. God has some really weird lessons. (laughs) Kristen has also always been really ungrateful for her nose. She compares its shape to other people's noses, wishes it was a little thinner. And she said, this is one area I have to intentionally surrender to God. And I picture her like taking her nose, giving it to him. (laughs) Got your nose. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Page 140, we get Kristen's rules for married girls. One is to... Wait, married girls? Mm Mm-hmm. Girls shouldn't be married. Well, married young women. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I still call fellow women girls sometimes. All right, right, fair enough. Just married girls sounds really weird. You know what? It's going to sound different when I say this. (laughs) It has the definite article, a letter to the married girls. Okay. Different, right? Okay, sure. That, That helps. Okay, so... She's never intentionally alone with one man in a room or a car by themselves. Hey, like Mike Pence. Right. She throws out her romance novels because they cause impurity and discontent. Hmm. She says, don't ever compare your marriage to someone else's. Okay, decent advice. Yeah. And don't compare your husband to other men. Okay, okay. Though... It feels like everything in their teaching is about comparing your relationship to other relationships. That's true. Your man to other men. 
There's also always a limit to that. Like comparison can be healthy. Science mm-hmm. is based on comparison. Yeah. But uh, it can go to an unhealthy place in relationships. Right. Yep. Yep. On page 172, <laughs> they have some specific biblical advice for women from Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Oh, right at the beginning of Psalms. Yeah. And it's specifically for women. You ready? Yeah. Blessed is the man. Wait. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. That's true. That didn't apply to me at all as a man. (laughs) The next line from Bethany and Kristen is, even though the psalmist used the word man (laughs) and male pronouns, these verses apply to all Christians. (laughs) So why say that it's for women? Uh And then all that stuff that you just attributed to women and women alone. Why can't I say, even though he used woman and she? good advice for everyone is ph balance for a woman last but not least my favorite quote from the whole book okay on page 154 quote ladies we can't beat around the bush (laughs) guess what Kristen and bethany yes you can (laughs) you have made an entire career out of beating around the bush it's extraordinary it's respectable in its own weird fricked up way Good, good on you. That would have been a good alternate title for the book, Beating Around the Bush. <laughs> I think I'm going to put my marked up copy of Girl Defined in my Etsy store if anybody wants it. Do women ever use that as a euphemism for masturbation? <laughs> I don't think so, but I do remember when we were trying to vote Bush out of office, people shaving off their pubic hair, and then writing on their shirts, no bush in. Oh, okay. 2004? I remember hearing a joke that the Clinton presidency was sex between the bushes. Cute. (laughs) Cute. Well, that's it. That's what a girl is. Well, thank you for defining... Well, actually, we never defined a girl, but Hmm. thank you for showing us their attempt to do so. No prob. Good old Kristen and Bethany. If you want to... Have some more fun. Do a YouTube search for Girl Defined. There's a wealth of material out there. Riches in scarlet and purple. Purple if you're the mom. Scarlet if you're her family. That'd be a good Halloween costume if you have a family uh, with more than, yeah, three or more people. So like everyone like tries all these guesses like, Rajneesh Param. <laughs> like they get it all wrong. Uh, no. Book plants. No. no. We're Proverbs 31. <laughs> Don't you get it? Don't, don't you see the distaff in my left hand? <laughs> That's why my wife is carrying around this yarn tilt. See my husband back there in the city gates, half a mile, half a mile away. I know it's very cold it's out here, concept. but don't worry, they're all wearing crimson. <laughs> <laughs> Please, someone do it. Well, I'm glad you went to that conference. That was highly entertaining. Oh, thanks. It was something, that's for sure. I'm not going to rate this. Okay. Because I don't 
want to. There's okay. All right. Well, I respect <laughs> that. But hot drinks. Oh, thumbs up or down? Great question. Thumbs up because they're outspokenly pro coffee. Pro coffee. Yeah. Thankfully, they don't have doctrine and covenants that prohibit them. Right. They're not Mormons from drinking coffee. Okay. Yeah. Strong drinks. Or uh, Ekinkar. They were kind of down on hot drinks. Oh too. yeah. I don't concur. I can't cur. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. This episode was edited by the very gracious Victor Figueroa. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can support this and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. Then you'll be one of the cool kids mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. Maximum Fun family. And, and that's what makes you a girl. Finally. See? Look how easy that was. And then even if you miss the Max Fun Drive, you can still join. Mm-hmm. You can still join. And you'll mm-hmm. still get the bonus content. Yeah. You just won't get the special gifts. I mean, did you need them? They're really good. But still, do you need them? What right. you need is good quality entertainment and journalism. You can also support us with positive reviews on any platform where you find our podcast. We greatly appreciate that. Helps other people find us. Makes us look legit. You can write the word on rack on a banana, put the banana on a stick, and walk through your town holding it above your head. That's another way to spread the word. It's true. You can find transcripts of the show also on MaximumFun.org. You can also find us on Bookshop. Yeah. Our shop is called Oh No. I think it's bookshop.org slash shop slash Oh No. I think that's right. And of course, we have social media. It's destroying society, but we're there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash OnRack or at Twitter, we're Ono Podcast. And remember, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, and here's the kicker, think about these things. Think about these things. So as I read this verse in this light years ago, thinking of my emotions, I was like, wait a minute. God's word, this isn't the only passage, but God's word, it's talking about my thinking. It's directing me to think about specific things. Think about what is true. Think about what is honorable. Think about whatever is just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable. And as we think about these things, that's where our emotions will see change. Our emotions will be led by truth. They'll be led by purity. They'll be led by honor. They'll be led by justice rather than just whatever we feel, we follow what it says. And then not too long after that, I I saw an illustration that drove this home for me. And so I hope it's really impactful for you. But our emotions are like a train. All right, here's my train. I had to borrow it from my nephew. (laughs) Here's a train and every train has an engine, right? It has the front engine that pulls the train and the rest of the cars can't really go anywhere unless the engine is pulling them, right? But here's what so often happens with our emotions. Rather than being led by the engine, which is our thinking, the train, the engine's going to represent our thinking. These are our emotions. Instead of being led by our thinking, what happens for most of us is that we are led by our emotions. So our emotions should be in the back, following the engine, following what is true, following right thinking. But more often than not, and this was true for me as girls, we allow the caboose, our emotions, to drive the train. 
We put our emotions out front and we just, whatever we feel, whatever seems right, however we want to react, we just go for it. We have no filter. We don't stop and ask ourselves, am I being led by emotions or am I being led by truth right now? What is driving my train? everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors. and Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor and I'm a medical enthusiast and we create okay. Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday. Right here on MaximumFun.org as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. Hey, J. Keith. Hey, Helen. I hear you have a true-false quiz you want me to finish. I do. Here we begin. We host a trivia game show podcast on the Max Fun Network called Go Fact Yourself. True. Correct. The show is all about celebrity guests answering trivia questions about things J. Keith enjoys. False. We sometimes don't talk about baseball or cats. Thank God. It's questions about things they enjoy. Next, we bring on surprise experts every episode. True. Correct. Final question. It's just the two of us sitting alone with these guests. False. Correct. We have a live audience at the Angel City Brewery. See? You can hear Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month. And if you don't listen, you can go fact yourself. True. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.